Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. This is a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like getting on the tube during an epidemic, but riskier. Oh, Oh, I'm all right. Let's hope that that has aged well, shall we? We are talking to a woman, Jane Chilaya, who was fabulous and really charming. She makes porn. She's a mum who made porn. Yeah, she was in the Channel 4 documentary, Mums Who Make Porn. I'm not sure I agree with this. Oh, well, let's find out. Okay. Hi, I'm Jane Chalaya. I'm the vlog blogger on ambitiousmamas.co.uk. And I'm also a podcaster of By the Dog on all that is midlife living plus the midlife crisis. Ladies and gentlemen, the Good Sex, Bad Sex podcast we have in the studio as we think of it, <laughs> rather than a basement, Jane Chalaya. Yay! Welcome. Thank you for having me on, lovely ladies. You are already our favourite guest. Oh! <laughs> yeah, you dressed up. You well, you got dressed. You got dressed. Which is... You got dressed. Of course. Um, I haven't been tied up yet. No. I haven't been spanked yet. Yeah. Nothing like that. Instead, <laughs> sea salt caramel. Yes, we have sea salt caramels. Oh, I love a gift. Yes, we do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you know that's so Asian? If you go to see somebody, you take a present. Yeah, I guess oh, especially see, I, something sweet. And my oh. thing is, um, when I see someone, I take something from them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so South London. <laughs> I do that in hotels. You stay in a hotel, and you take something. Yeah. <laughs> People might know you from Mums Make Porn. Yes, that's right. Let's start with that one because I okay. Full disclosure: I haven't seen it. Okay. I did try and find a copy of it, but I haven't seen it. Have Mums you seen it? Make porn. Yeah. Can so, Jane, <laughs> explain yourself. So Mum's Fake Porn was a year ago, almost a year ago now. Channel 4, three-part reality TV show, five ordinary mums brought together. So I was the Asian voice. And we were actually brought together with the sole purpose, initial purpose of finding out how prolific online porn is that children can access how harmful it is to look at the statistics, to watch the sort of extreme porn that our children are watching, and then to go on to make a suitable porn film for our adult children to watch. But I pulled out. This is extraordinary. So first of all, what is the harm? Uh, what, you know, so you said there's some stats about that it's harmful for kids watching porn. Yes. What are the stats? So 59% of boys and 39% of girls watch online porn. And uh, okay, the stats keep shifting, so I'm not going to mention numbers, but a large number of them go on to have, they suffer from mental health issues from adopting behaviours that they kind of emulate from what they're watching. So basically they don't, they're learning about sex rather than from their parents. They're learning about sex from watching porn films. Mm. So there's an unhealthy start. And then they kind of take those behaviors that they see, which can be very detrimental to women, as you know, you know, the hitting, the coercion, and use it in other facets of their relationships as well. So girls are, you know, they don't know where to draw the line between their own agency and, but in the porn film, the boy 
did that to the girl. Pleasure being put on little girls. Girls as young as eight. But it's not the porn that's the that's the problem. It's the children's access to it. Because we've always had porn. And it's, you know, you look under railway sidelings and you find a razzle. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, all part of experimentation and, and learning about these things. But it's, I think it's this massive exposure of you can just find what you want, when you want. And being a child, that's, that's what I find is the dangerous part. Absolutely. Because you're just starting you to find yourself in the, mm. your way in the world, aren't you? You're learning how to form relationships. You know how children fight, fall out on a daily basis, right? Mm. And then there they are watching something which is, you know, to do with your naked self. You're, you're most vulnerable when you're naked, aren't you? Yeah. Physically, mentally, you know. And so there they are, just not being able to process. Just a few weeks ago, there was a branch of McDonald's in this country, right? I, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's just so awful. That had, had tablets on the table and they had left porn, extreme porn running. No. Yeah, by accident. And a little boy saw it and he's still traumatized by it. Like, yeah. I don't know, the interview the father gave to the newspaper was a week later and he was still traumatized by it. I was with my ne- I was with my family over the weekend, which is a miracle in itself. But my <laughs> nephew was watching. He's eleven, and he was watching a Twitch stream. And I was just sat next to him, and he had his phone on the desk, so I could see sort of like what he was watching, thinking, "Oh, look, lovely little Twitch stream." And then right in the middle, there was this garish shot. It was like supposed to be an advert, but it was like this naked woman, and it was an advert for protect your computer, make sure your child doesn't see this online. And it's like, but he's seeing he's this seeing on a online. on a children's Twitch stream. And he sort of looked up and he was like, and he started bursting into tears. He was like, I didn't know that was going to be on there, Auntie Miranda. I didn't know. And it was like, it's not your fault. And I just Mm. felt so heartbroken because even though they're not looking for it, it's just there. It's just just there. Yes. What the internet has done, I think, is shift the sense of like morality as well. So you can't, you can't have a conversation, I think, without bringing morality into it. So, you know, it's just immoral to expose young children into yeah. something like that you know it it just is i'm sorry because uh, because they're too young yeah and not all parents another reason why i did mum speak porn is because a lot of parents mothers have problems speaking to their children about sex mm. and i was guilty of that and that was partly because of my South Asian cultural background mm. and i so wanted to help other mothers like me uh, you know, who come from another kind of background or don't, it doesn't have to be a person of colour, but just sometimes, you know, you come from a cultural background, you've grown up, you don't talk about sex, it's taboo. And I wanted to help myself and other mums break that barrier. Yeah. So that was incredibly brave of you then. Yes, it was. Did yes. you have any... So you chose not to go to the... Second half. Second yeah. half. Was that why? Were you getting any bad response? No. Been the first bit? No, not at all. I got negative response from friends and family about going into, about even participating in the no. program in the first place. I did it anyway because I wanted there to be a South Asian voice. Yeah. That's looking at sexual matters, children. Those are all taboo subjects in the South Asian community and Asian community more largely. Um, and it was too good an opportunity. Yeah. I kind of felt a moral responsibility. What's the negative impact of those issues not being discussed in the South Asian community? How's that manifesting? So if I start off with what a virtuous South Asian woman ought to be like, silent, obedient, 
fair, slim. I mean, you're describing me. <laughs> B.B. Lynch at a stand-up B.B. Lynch. (laughs) So if you unpack that, there's so many taboos, right? I mean, there's... So basically, to even speak up as a woman in the South Asian community is an act of cultural defiance. To not be invisible, to be heard, to say things like, I don't want to get married just because I am 20-something. That's a big deal. To To say, I want to do a PhD... It's a big deal because quite often even your education has a ceiling on it because your future husband may not want you to be that highly educated. <laughs> and that's still. Yeah, that is still. That is still. Yeah. So so when I say when I use the word sexual taboos, to me, that is sexual is actually broader. It's about the sexualization as well. So. We are being sexualized in so many ways by being told the way we ought to be without having the agency to speak up, right? But it's not just the sex part of it that we're held back on. It's also our sexuality. So, for instance, the way we dress, the way we adorn our bodies. You know, when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to wear ankle bracelets, because the courtesans centuries ago in the Indian temples would wear, and they were seen as fallen women. Uh. I wasn't allowed to laugh too loudly when I was growing up because women shouldn't be heard. Uh, Miranda, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So not even like the morality and anything else and having agency physically, how are you going to feel about sex? Mm. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what the... Feminist liberation struggle was all about, right? The right to enjoy sex. Sex is seen within the framework of marriage, generally. Things are changing, you know. There's lots of young Asian people, women, who are challenging and breaking um, stereotypes. But quite often it's also done behind closed doors. So you leave the house in one set of outfits and you go out and you change another. Like If you do that publicly, which is what? you know to help shift the sounds it's like you have to do what you have to do like you go down to mums make porn you know then you must get such a backlash like you did from friends family just you know from other south asians in general who don't even know you but consider you part of the community so it's like well why are you doing that so was that did you get a lot more backlash when the program was aired no did you get more people saying you know this is what we want yeah So I got a lot of South Asian feminists reaching out to me saying, well done. And then I had a lot of backlash from uh, Western feminists. I don't want to use the word white because there were they were women of other colors as well for not making porn, for not wanting to make porn. So then my whole feminism was being questioned And I was being accused of all sorts of things like um, being the, being a Madonna, being, wanting to make vanilla porn, uh, sorry, wanting to be vanilla, not make vanilla, wanting to be vanilla, that I was immature, uneducated, that I'd only done it for money. We didn't get paid. None of the mothers got paid. We did it for the fame. None of us are famous. Uh, <laughs> you didn't do the second bit of it, which is make the porn. You yes. Got, you got attacked for that. And, yes. And the um, angle to attack you on was your feminism. Yes. Was my 
was my reticence to make to be part of a porn producing venture. So why didn't you do the porn? So I didn't make the porn because two things really. It's an industry that highly sexualizes women of color. So if I read you a quote that I came across, I did so much research. I watched more porn. I went from not watching porn <laughs> to watching so much porn, right? <laughs> and up to a year ago, I was such an expert on it. <laughs> so I came across this on a website, porn website. No one knows how to please a man like an Asian slut can. And these exotic beauties prove it. So we are seen as submissive, skilled, sexualized, right? Mm. So that was one thing I thought, I am feeding into this. And the other reason was, so much of porn or all of porn is sold as fantasy, right? It's fun, it's it's entertainment. And I saw part of that as based on lies, because we want a real porn set. And number two, the role play, the use of Teenagers, it, it, and I was told, oh no, those those girls who play teenagers, they are over eighteen, twenty-one. It doesn't matter. You are selling a situational scenario that is feeding into people's minds. At that time, my daughter was eighteen, and almost every day she'd walk home from school and be harassed, school uniform, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I lived in fear. I lived in fear of rape, kidnap, you know, I would go and pick up from the bus stop and all that. And I thought, if I went ahead and made it, how would I then distinguish that this is good porn, so see it differently from the others? How would I How would I have the power to do it? Was that not the point of the whole show, though? It was, but it was called good porn, and I just felt in my good conscience... I know there's good porn out there, feminist porn. Yeah. But what was I feeding into? What, as, as, as a mother, what was my moral responsibility? And if I'm saying that it's harmful to children and I'm putting out a porn film, I just couldn't reconcile the two, really. Did they let you explain all that on the show? Yes. So that's good. And you, were you happy with how they let you do that? Yes, yeah. I did. Yes. And they were quite aware right from the start that I was quite traumatized by what I was seeing as well. You know, that we, we had to watch extreme porn, like women's head being shoved down the loo <gasps> and taken from behind. And also with gay porn, I've spoken to quite a few gay men about porn that they watch. And it's it's very, it's very violent. It's always playing on the weaker person. I can see where the difficulty is to reconcile it. It's just such a shame that, like, you know, there's not more open access to, like you say, like feminist porn and the kind of porn that should be used as education for children, you know, looking into it. And I know it sounds really, that sounds like such a strange thing to say, porn for children. But, you know, if we're talking about teenagers and that are going to try and want to find these kind of things online, how do you feel about it now? Is there any part of you that thinks, oh, I wish I could have stayed or I wish 
wish if I could if I had a million pounds to make the kind of porn that I'd like to see that I'd like my children to see would you do that or is there still that difficulty to reconcile it now I think I still have a difficulty to reconcile it now but if my daughter asked me mum what should I watch I'd say watch something that Erica Lust because Erica Lust was heavily involved in it and I would say watch something that Erica Lust has done Something that has, which is what the other four mothers went on to make, really. Something that it involved consent, love, affection, mutual. You're not love as an I am in love with you. You know, that's realistic for every person who's having sex to be in love with each other. But it's kind of like an affection and a mutual respect. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I think those are the ingredients that I want my own daughter to take away and other children. It takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like saw myself as a cog in all that. Yeah. And you've been a, a South Asian feminist blogger for six years? Longer, coming up to 10, and it's been a hard slog because yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept ethnic, model ethnic minority, no. model ethnic minority model. Okay, so it's that, it's it's about a type of ethnic minority who's very obedient, not very demanding, doesn't put their head up above you know the parapet. And Asian people in general fall into that category because yeah. we are seen as wherever we go, we will do well. We will pick up somewhere. We will look after ourselves. We'll raise our children up well. And in fact, last year, the year before Newsnight, there was a right-wing white man who said to a black man, why can you not be like the Asians? They just come here and they either set up a shop or and they bring up their children so well. And it's because of that, to answer your question, it is because of that attitude, it's really hard for South Asian feminism to become mainstreamed. You know, we have to fight against so many stereotypes, like we have wonderful weddings, yeah. <laughs> we have Bollywood. But within that, if you kind of drill down, there's so many female-oriented issues and that's what I've been trying to get out and what the show has done. And being on this lovely show with both of you, as I'm so excited to be here and I'm so honoured, oh, seriously. you're welcome. This is so interesting. It seems so difficult because you don't want to stigmatise South Asian culture further by saying, oh, this is what it's like. But it's so it's great to have you in here who experiences that culture and say, but we need to talk. We need to get more people talking and we need... Um, more rights and Definitely. more people to, to stand out and put their head above the parapet to say that we need more feminism. Absolutely. And I think one of the problems that I found, which is directly related to that when I was in shooting for Mom's Egg Porn, was, not, was having to like balance between being this, thinking about this Asian babe syndrome, right, which is prevalent in porn, mm. oh, you Asian babe. And not wanting to be seen as an uptight Asian either. <laughs> and I thought, where do I draw the line? And then yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm just, I, it's my conscience and it's, it's just being a mother. It's not, it's not saying that people who watch porn are bad, not at all. It's just wanting to introduce a critical thinking element. So the way I see it, right? This, so as a South Asian feminist, this is what I want people to think about. When you're watching something, you know, um, something that stigmatizes Asian women, whether it's Oriental or Indian like me, just think about how 
it's the whole patriarchal culture that's actually feeding into what you're watching. Mm. And then it's actually feeding back into society. And it's a cycle. And I don't know how it'll ever be broken. I think there's a couple of things. So um, you've said as a mother several times, and I totally understand that because you have children and, and the, the reason for going into the dock, I guess, was to, you know, that's, that was the issue you were trying to confront there. But with the South Asian, femi- South Asian feminism, I'd imagine the issues to address aren't just about porn. They aren't just about sex no. or about equality and about how people yes. are taken in any way, except in any way as well as not being mothers, you know, and I would have thought that's part, isn't that part of what you're trying to do to kind of create equality for everyone? Yes, yes, it is. Absolutely. So that's what I mean by fighting against the sexualization of us, because it's as if our whole being is sexualized. So you're not married at the age of blah, blah, blah. What is wrong with you? You know, is it the way you look? Is it the way you your your tummy you know it's mm. it's always to do with your with you your body image so so what do we do how do we fight the sexualization of us it's through it we're stigmatized mm. that's what it is so to gain agency and to be able to do what we want we need to fight a whole load of stigmas mm. and we do that through kinship storytelling i my blog your social media. I think we hope that storytelling, like in your in your TEDx talk, Miranda, <laughs> so storytelling will help to break down stigmas. But then I read something last week, right? So it was in the cut. It was by the ex-deputy editor of Gorka. Do you remember Gorka? Yeah. Do you know, I've forgotten her name now, but she wrote about how she just doesn't believe in collective storytelling by women anymore. And I thought, how do I take, how do I, how do we take that forward now? You start, you tell your stories, right? And you empower each other. Mm. So going back to your question, how do we then kind of turn that into action? Well, we don't have access to like policymaking or, you know, we can only kind of help each other and then it becomes a micro struggle. But it snowballs, though. It's it's something that I think if you're, like you said, like through storytelling, from, yeah. you know, the way that I try and see it is like if you're standing on a stage or you're just in a pub or you're just around a table and you're telling each other your stories, from that, someone else is listening going, yes, that's how I feel. And then they feel empowered to take that on and that on. And it, that's how it starts. It's a little snowball effect, uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. What yeah. I found when I I've written stuff. If you write something that's against the norm and you want to start a whole different conversation, and I hate to say this, but women don't like it. Mm. So I've had a lot of grief from women. Yeah. And and I think that's awful. So yeah, ideally you're all sitting around and you're having lovely coffee and you're going, Oh my god, that's my story. This empowers me to be who I'm gonna be. Yes. And I'm as valid as anyone else around this little table. You know, we're we all have our story and that's great. But and I find it less from men. I hate to say it, but I, f- but I find women, maybe it's a patriarchal thing. That, that's why they respond in this way. Mm-hmm. But they seem more threatened by people that are doing something that's not what they yes. would do. And yes. It, and they, so you, I got called a misogynist for writing about not having children. I saw that. I got yes. called a misogynist. I saw that and, article and, and in The and Guardian. Yeah. called me a misogynist mm. said I wasn't allowing mothers their voice. And yes. I said, no, I'm just allowing non-mothers their voice. What's yes. the, she said, well, the word for someone like you. And I said, well, what's the word for someone who doesn't allow every woman their voice? Yeah. And of course, she didn't have a reply. 
Yes. People can't see the nuances. It's it's insane. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt like under attack from what do they call it? pro-porn feminists and positive sex feminists. I was under so much attack when the show came out. And feminist websites that I used to write for were so afraid of me writing for them. But I, you know, I, I do not stigmatize sex workers. That's not... Yeah. So as I saw it and I explained to them, and they still wouldn't help, didn't want to know me. As I saw it, there's there's three models to the sex industry. Like there's the camera. I'm going to sound like a Marxist here. There's the there's the camera ownership of the camera. There's the actors, and then there's the viewers. All right, the people who have ownership of the camera. So so the producers and the owners of all the big studios. Yeah, they are the ones who are driving this kind of you know, misogynist yeah. views. And why can't we question it? So if you're the viewer and you don't want to view, like I don't want to view, why not? Why can I not be a critical yeah. feminist? Why, what's so wrong with that? And so so we let the men get away with it. By, so what, we're going to say men will be men? What is the justification for this? It's sorry. It's very much like it goes. It just goes into that patriarchal thinking because it's the um, it's not the performers that are getting the money for anything nowadays. It's all the people in Silicon Valley who are you know doing the right kind of the reason why they're making things like where the mum has to hold the daughter down and stuff like that is because oh that's what gets the hits you know yeah. and it's, so it's those are the people that are getting ninety nine percent of the money and we're not questioning them no no one questions them it all comes down to the porn performers uh, yes and yes. You know, they're the ones that are getting, and people like the critical feminists. But it's yes, those the ones who question. The, yeah, yeah, those are the ones that are getting the stigma and the stick, rather than the people in Silicon Valley who are the ones making the actual money from turning porn into algorithms. And yeah. just, you know, yeah, making, making it so less about it couldn't be less about people. Could yeah, it? yeah, yeah, even exactly. The, even the kids, yeah, it could be less about people. Yeah, I find it fascinating, and I find I can see how cultures, any culture, anywhere in the world have their own thing before the internet came along. When the internet came along and we have access to seeing how everyone else in the world lives, I don't see how some thought processes still exist when they have Abs, information. Yes. So that was the dumb thing I was going to say. No, 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 it's not dumb at all. And, it's and absolutely I really can't, can't true. Believe that. But then the other side to that is, and this is what we, Miranda and I spoke about, spoke about the other um, week in an award-winning panel we did. And she was brilliant. She was the star of it. Um, actually, if I was saying about you, it really annoyed me. <laughs> anyway, was how extraordinary that we have social. So we have a world now where um, we're all loud of voice. We're all loud in opinion and um, nothing should be shamed and everything should be explored exactly at the same time with that self-same platform promotes right-wing hatred and, and mm. a hate place for anyone that explores everything. So you're allowed to say what you want. And guess what? You're not allowed to say what you want yeah. in the yeah. same space. Yeah. So I don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. What's the idea? What's the answer? <laughs> Delete Twitter. <laughs> Delete your account. <laughs> no. Question. I'll tell you something horrific I found yesterday, right? So I was, I was doing some last-minute research and... Um, there's such a thing as refugee porn now oh, in Germany. Stop. No. Have you heard about this? Oh, refugee porn. This is right-wing men, right? It's it's sorry, the viewers are right-wing men in Germany, and it's because they hate the refugees who are coming into Germany. So there's a whole subgenre that's grown up now called refugee porn, and it's about 
women in hijabs being sexually like really I I did not watch any of it I just read it and mm. I and, and there you go so that's actually made me feel sick yeah, yeah and and I, and I was doing some googling before I found it so why aren't families jumping up and down about this oh, yeah I think it's all just poured into one big bucket isn't it it's poor like with radical feminist porn is sort of just it's just bad so you can have ethical porn you can have feminist porn but then yeah. you can have crap yeah. porn and really you know horrible horrible porn evil. and they just pour it into one big bucket which is where you need the, the nuance you need the nuance absolutely of the yeah and you need to be able to say what is consensual what is non-consensual what is remind me again as a final statement what what um, the grief was towards you that so you didn't want to make the porn and you didn't want to make it because you uh, you your conscience wouldn't allow you to do it yes and people their issue with that was that I was shaming sex workers I was shaming mums who in real life do make porn for a living and what's your answer to that absolutely not I wasn't I I, I was not going after the sex workers nothing uh, my my gripe was, as I say in the three-point model, people who own the cameras and the production yeah. stop making those um, types of porn which 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 feature teenagers, women of colour. It is causing harm. Yeah. And if you say it's only fantasy and not real, well, why is the marketing industry then making absolutely trillions of money? What did they rely on? Soft power of brainwashing. So why it's should power... <laughs> How should porn? I was, I was depressed. Yeah, I, I went away thinking. I was, I was fifty four then. I was thinking, am I even a feminist? You know, to come out as a South Asian feminist is a big deal, mm. because it's a culture that doesn't promote uh, independent women. Yeah. So to have come that far, and then to have like world famous feminist websites make fun and not understand. I mean, okay, make fun, fine. You know that I look silly or something. That's fine. But to go to the lens to deny another feminist the right to question, that's just wrong. So if there's, a, if there's someone listening to this, if there's a, someone, if there's a South Asian woman who wants to be a feminist and she's listening to this and she's going, right, this is what I want to do. I'm surrounded, being told what to do by men all my life. I can't laugh loudly. I can't talk loudly. I can't eat a donut when I want to. What is your advice to them? Join the collective. Don't <laughs> fight this alone. Come and seek out a South Asian feminist. Join the collective and we will help you because we can only do this in numbers. It is, it is, it be, it, at some stage it may become a solo struggle, but start off with us. What's your aim? My aim is to, um, to make the world, this is going to sound so, 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 to make the world a better place for South Asian women who really want to live their own lives themselves and to be the kind of mother who makes people think about what their children are watching. And I don't mean censorship. I mean just genuinely, you know, help and think, make them think about what it is they're watching. Thank you very much. Thank Jane. you. Thank you. <laughs> 
I loved Jane. Mm. So she took part in the show, but then wouldn't do the second bit, which was yeah. making the porn. She got some grief because of that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's really interesting that there wasn't a, a, a resolution to it. Like, it feels like we always have to have, a, have a, a resolution to how we feel about porn. Yeah. Which is, you know, you either are for it or you can go for feminist porn or just be completely, or you can just abstain from it completely. Whereas she's like, no, I'm still struggling with it in my head in that I want my children to grow up with some kind of sexual education yeah. but I don't want to exploit actors within pornography yeah nuance isn't it it is it is and it just goes to show how nuanced it can be but I thought it was also really fem- really interesting about what she was saying about South Asian feminism and how many how many barriers you know it's like yeah. we, we're starting our feminist journey um, at one level yeah and and because their feminist journey is so far behind where we are, yeah. then we don't hear about it as yeah. much because yeah. we are we are in that privileged position of being able to take up space and have our voices yeah. heard. So I really hope that there's more people out there that are listening and that will go, yeah, do you know what? I want to get in contact with her. Yeah, I do. Think so. I just think it's sad. So I did something last night. I really hate it. I hate talking to you about other jobs I do because I know you get really upset. <laughs> I do. I feel like you're cheating on me. <laughs> I do a lot without you. Oh. And um, anyway, one of the things last night was about, we talked about feminism a bit and how that it's like there's wrong feminism and right feminism. It's like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake, the bottom line is equality. Yeah. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. ta <laughs> And if we might just say one more thing about porn, there's coronavirus porn. Oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> I'm going to think it's time for a song. Yeah. <laughs> My Garota <laughs> Porn. Right. <laughs> My name is Bibi Lynch. And I was Miranda Kane. Oh. Please send any donations to the RSPCA. Is that where you send them? Yeah. If How you do die. you feel when I die? Mm. I, not, I mean, not obviously I won't die. But, um, you know, when people say, um, just carry on with your life. Yeah. Come to the funeral. It's a celebration. Wear bright clothes. Don't be sad. Fuck that. that. I want people to be devastated (laughs) for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to be like Queen Victoria and wear black. That's it forever. Done. Never have a vagina moment again. Yeah. What did that mean? Vagina no moment. moment again. Mm. Anyway, Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced <laughs> by Juliet Nichols for Metro.co.uk. So if you want to get in touch, but not that way, you can on Twitter at Good Sex, Bad Sex with the triple X at the end. And also if you have a sexy question or a query or you want to get in touch or you want a couple of our little um, hand washes because we've got a, <laughs> got a little bit of, we've got a stall and camera. No toilet roll though. No you toilet have to roll. Bring, <laughs> you'll bring you'll have to your use your BYO, sock. BYO. Uh, info at sexpod.co.uk. And we might <laughs> see you next week. God willing. <laughs>